Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. I mentioned uh, earlier that Pastor Justin is not here. You're in luck. Um, I am not speaking today. Um, someone, man, first service, someone wooed, and I have someone clapping when I said that, so I don't know how to take that. Um, it's all right. I'll go cry when I get home. I, I'll hold it together for now. Um, we've actually got a uh, guest speaker today. He's been here. I think this is his fifth year um, being here. He's um, been a, a district youth director for the state of Oklahoma. Whoa, all right. Um, and, and he's invested in, in hundreds, if not thousands, of different youth pastors over the years. Um, he, he's been on, he's at, on staff at a church here in Mustang. And um, man, he's, you, you guys are probably familiar with him, so I'll just get out of the way and let Robbie McClear come up here and, and speak. Give him a round of applause. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Mike. Well, it's always good to be here. I appreciate it. I uh, can't believe Justin keeps letting me come back. So shows you how much he knows, right? <laughs> but uh, excited to uh, always be here and be part of your church. Love what your church is doing. It's been fun watching you guys grow. And I guess we were talking a little bit ago that it's been 10 years. You guys are on your 10th year anniversary or something like that. That is nuts. And I still can't figure out how Justin got Casey to marry him. But anyway, it's pretty wild. But I love those guys. Every time our church gets together and we try to figure out, hey, we're going to have an event like We've done marriage retreats, we've done family conferences and stuff, and always the first person our staff talks about about having come is Justin and Casey to do stuff, and uh, she might actually be a better speaker than he is, but um, we just love having them, and they did a family conference for us this last year, did an amazing job, and they're just great people, and you guys have such a cool staff. I enjoy coming here, and there's, I've been here enough now that some of you, I'm getting to know you, and, uh, but I love your staff. I always love worship. As a matter of fact, I was telling Chuck, who wrote up here with me today, that um, about half the time I go home, I always go home with a new song that I'm like, all right, we got to start doing this one here because of this. And so it's just fun to be here and be a part of what you guys are doing. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 30. And uh, I just want to say thanks again to this church. Thank you for what you do for missions. I'm a big believer in missions. When uh, my daughter was in fifth grade, she had a friend that came home that had moved away and, and they, got, they were there on a Sunday afternoon and Sunday night, all the girls decided to skip church. They were missionettes, little fifth graders. And uh, they decided to skip church and go to Brahms and have a party with this friend. And so while they were there, typical little girls, they got uh, convicted and felt guilty for missing church and decided they were gonna go out on the playground and play and pray, I'm sorry, play and pray and pray. It's a true story, believe it or not. And so in the middle of praying, God spoke to my daughter's heart. My daughter came home from Brahms in fifth grade and said, Daddy, is there a place called Peru? 
And I said, yeah, honey, there's a country called Peru down south. She said, I think I'm supposed to be a missionary to Peru. And she has not wavered from that her whole entire life. In two weeks, she will leave on August 22nd to go to Peru as a missionary. And the reason I tell that is because you guys were one of the first churches to pick her up on monthly support. And so I appreciate Justin and Casey and you guys and for what you're doing in missions. It's exciting that he is in Africa today at a church. And uh, I always like it when he's gone because I get to come here and fill in and hang out with you guys. So it's fun. Uh, I want to talk to you today about being wiser than wise. I'm not as creative as Justin. Justin always comes up with cool names for sermons. Uh, our kids still talk about his sermon, M&Ms and hookers or his cupcakes and hookers or something. I don't know what it was. But he, you know, he always takes two words and puts them together. You know, if Justin was doing this sermon, it'd be something cool like the ant, the badger, the locust, and the lizard walked into a bar. Or, you know, I don't know. He would, he would come up with some really cool name, and I'm just not that cool. But, but this, this, there's a little phrase in, in, in a couple of verses in Proverbs 30 that I really like that talks about four things that are wiser than wise. How many of you want to be smart? You know what I'm talking about? Like you wish you were smarter, smarter, whatever. I remember my son, the first year he went to first grade, the teacher said, if any of you kids in this class feel stupid, stand up. And my son stood up, right? And she's like, Mac, do you feel stupid? He said, no, I just didn't want you to be the only one standing. But anyway, that's, you know, it's real bright, you know. My daughter came in. She said, Daddy, I need to go to the hospital. Everything hurts. Everything hurts. And I said, what do you mean? She said, everything hurts on my body when I touch this. I like, show me. And she's like, ah! And she, oh! And she touched touch her knee. Oh! And I said, honey, you're not hurt. You got a broken finger. Anyway, um, some people just aren't that smart, you know what I'm saying? They just don't get it. But the Proverbs give us a lot of uh, cool, amazing advice. I love the book of Proverbs. I love walking through it. And really, it's, it's Solomon writing to his son saying, hey, listen, here's some things you need to know, some things you need to live by. And there's this common theme throughout Proverbs of, of wisdom and, and, and the fool. But there's also this th thing in Proverbs where, where he uses this analogy of a woman calling out to you. And you've got to figure out which woman you're going to listen to. And one woman is a harlot. She's a, that's not a bad, not a good person, girl, kids, you know. Um, it, it's a bad person. And this person cries out, hey, we can get away with this. It's going to be fun. I promise all these wonderful things and you won't get caught. But the end of that pathway leads to hell, to death. And then on the other hand, there's this lady named Wisdom that's crying out to us and says, if you listen to me, you'll have a good name, you'll have a future, you'll have a wonderful life, you'll have peace and prosperity, and that way leads to life. And as a young person, you have to listen to the Proverbs, you have to listen to these two voices and figure out which one you're going to listen to because the path you choose, when you choose a path, you choose what's at the end of that path. And so in Proverbs 30, it comes along. And, and he's, is, he talks to us, about, he talks about all these different things and these four things that are wise. And let's get a foundation for wisdom real quick. Job 28, 28 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So wisdom starts by fearing God. And that doesn't mean fearing God like, oh, he's going to beat me up or he's going to strike me with lightning or make me wreck my car or something like that. Fearing God, it's a good fear. It's a, uh, one, one definition is a wholesome dread of displeasing him. So when you have God in the proper place in your life, you have a respect for him and you have him in the proper place in your life, that is the beginning or the foundation for wisdom. And then once you learn that, then you will depart from evil because that's what it means to understand that, to figure it out. And so when you understand who God is and you love him and you have the right relationship with him, then you start serving him in the right way. The, the, the wrong motivation for living for God is fear, fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. 
The right way to serve God is I love him and I want to have a relationship with him and I want to make him proud of me. I want to put a smile on his face. And so that's the, the beginning of what wisdom is. And then understanding that as you start living in a way that, that you stay away from evil. And so as we go through that, it brings us to Proverbs chapter 30. And Proverbs 30, list, uh, it's a whole list of four things. And he says there's four things that are never satisfied. And then he talks about four things that are, are just wonderful. They're amazing. Then there's four things that if this happens, everything's going to pot, all right? It's terrible. And then there's four things that are really proud when the way they walk. And then finally, he comes to these four things in Proverbs 30, verse 24 through 28, that he says are wiser than wise. Your Bible may say exceedingly wise. In the Hebrew, that means wise, wise. It's wiser than wise. And here it is, it's Proverbs 30, 24. There are four things on earth that are small, but they are wiser than wise. The ants are creatures with little strength, but they prepare food in the summer. The rock badgers are creatures with little power, but they make their home in the rocks. The locusts have no king, but they go forward by ranks. And a lizard, you can catch him with the hand, but he gets into the palaces of the king. And so these four things that are wiser than wise, every one of them is missing something, but they find their wisdom in, in something else in their life. And so I want to look at some lessons we can learn from them. So first of all, let's look at the ant. The ant, he says, is, they're not strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. The ant is wiser than wise because of its preparation. Because it prepares ahead of time for things that are coming down the pipe. Now listen, he says the ants aren't really strong. That's a little bit debatable, okay? In relative terms, ants are crazy strong. Haven't you seen Ant-Man? I mean, like they are strong, right? I mean, ants can lift 10 to 15 times their body weight. All right? Like an ant is a 130-pound junior hire carrying a car or a truck down the street, all right? That's an ant, okay? So in relative terms, they, 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 they're strong, but, but in reality, they're not. They're, I mean, they're a little bitty. You can stomp them. You can squish them with your fingers. You can spray them with Raid, you know, or whatever. They're, they're really not that big of a deal. But the thing that makes an ant so wise is its preparation. Ants are constantly working. They're constantly preparing for the future. It seems like they never rest. In fact, when I was a little kid, I lived in Abilene, Texas. And right across the street from my house, we had this big field, and there were a bunch of these old red ant piles in that, that place. And I liked walking over there and checking them out. And even, even still, when I see them, one of the first things I'll do, you get the big red ant pile, is you follow the little fingers that leave the red. It's like veins that go out all over the yard because they're little paths. And, and they, they've walked them so many times, they've worn out a little dirt path. And you can go, you know, sometimes uh, 100 feet away from this ant pile and still follow the little trail that they're taking. I messed the light up. Is that in your eyes? Sorry, dude. All right. But you can follow the little trail of where the ants are going because they've worn it down because they're just incessantly working. I mean, even in, in the movie Bugs Life, they had enough time to get their own food and then get food for Hopper and the bad guys, you know? I mean, and so ants are just always busy and they're always working. In fact, the Bible uses them as an example of hard work. In, uh, in Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. I love the word sluggard. Go to the ant, old slugger, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, they prepare their food in the summer and gather provision for the harvest. And it just tells us ants are self-motivated. They don't have to some, have some boss, you know, cracking the whip on them, but they just get out there and they work hard because, and they don't have to be told what to do. And, and so they're working to get things done. And there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in preparation. You know, a wise man uh, prepares for the future as opposed to living day by day. 
That's just common sense. There's a difference between surviving and thriving. See, God wants us to thrive. He wants us to be people that live with margin in our lives, where we have our priorities in line, and, and because of that, we get to enjoy the journey. I'm just telling you, you know, I'm at this place in my life in two weeks. My daughter's gone for a couple years. My son is married, and he's moved out, and so it's empty nest syndrome. And my wife and I, you know, are having to get used to life being a little bit different with the kids out of, out of the way. But, but it happens so fast. I mean, they were just born the other day, I think, you know, and now they're, they're gone and it's crazy. And, and, and I want to challenge you, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the journey because what happens is, is if we're not really planning ahead and we're not preparing and we're not living with margin in our lives, what happens is you're just, you're surviving. And that, you, you, you feel like you're treading water, you feel like you're missing out on life and you're just getting by and you wake up and the next thing you know your kids are gone, you're living with somebody that you don't know. And, and, it's, and, and most of it starts because of bad decisions on our part, because of not thinking ahead, because we spend money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And then we have to work all the time, and the next thing you know, our kids are gone, and we're thinking, wait a minute, where did it all go? See, preparation is better than strength, is what this, this phrase is actually telling us, is the ant, even though it's little and it's weak and can't do a lot, because it prepares, that's better than having strength and ability and all these things, the giftedness and talents and being good-looking and wealthy. Being a person who prepares is better than all that. See, my pastor says all the time, our job is preparation, God's job is placement. See, some of us, we can get so worked up, we're always looking in the future, always thinking about what's next and, and always living for all these things and we forget to get ready right now where we're at. And you have to start working on who you are. We were talking about on the way down here today. Time and time again, I've seen single people who want to get married that when they finally forget about trying to get married and they just fall in love with Jesus, the next thing you know, God decides, okay, that's cool enough. Now I can share them with somebody. And then they find a relationship. The Bible says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. That word finds means to find something you weren't looking for. It's like when you're digging through the drawer looking for the underwear and you find an old ring you lost. Oh, cool. I didn't know that's where that was, you know. That, that's what it means is I'm not looking for a spouse, but I'm just loving God. And the next thing you know, he decided to share you with somebody else. You got to work on that part first. And so what I'm saying is your job's preparation. Our job is, is being who God wants us to be, making the best out of what we are, making the most of our time right now. And when we do that, then God has all these little divine appointments that we begin to run into in our life. And we're, we, can, we can see them and recognize them because we are ready. That's why Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And he tells us how, making the most of your time. And see, the ant knows what time it is. The ant understands that. We learn from our past. We live in the moment, but we prepare for the future. When my kids were little, I remember when my son graduated at 18, I was scared to death because I thought, did I really prepare him to leave the house? Does he have everything he needs? Can he go with these secular college professors that are going to make fun of God and live and be true to God? Can he stand on his own? And, and all the things I needed to teach him about life and about being a man and about unclogging toilets and stuff, you know? I mean, you, 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 gotta, you want to pour all these things into your kids. And then I, as my kids were teenagers, I started realizing my wife and I had spent so much time going to ball games and running around with the kids and all the sports they were involved in that we didn't, we, were, we weren't as close as we needed to be. So we had to start preparing 
for this day when the kids were gone that we still liked each other and wanted to hang out together. And, uh, and, and so we started working on our relationship, making sure we still went on dates and still hung out together and spent time together. And then I, I, I'm at the age now, I got to start preparing for the future. I got to think one day I don't want to work, <laughs> you know? I want to be able to retire and have some money and be able to go do some things and have some fun in my life. And so I'm preparing for that. But the ultimate preparation for all of us is you better make sure when it comes time to die, that all you need to do is die. Amen. I was outside of McAllister, Oklahoma a while back, and I saw this sign. It was a funeral home sign, but it said, prearrangement, the ultimate act of caring. And the obvious idea there is that if you'll plan your future and you pay for it and everything like that, then when you die, it makes it easier on your family. And well, that's a pretty cool slogan, but it also, I'm a preacher, so I thought, yeah, well, that also will preach because you need to make sure that your family knows when you die, you're going to heaven. The most selfish thing you can do when you die is make your family stand at a funeral one day looking at your casket, hoping you made it to heaven, wondering where you're at. Because the comfort they're going to receive, the Bible says the sting of sin, or the sting of death is sin. Sin's what makes death hurt. When a person's living right and they're right with God, we know we're going to see him again. We're going to be with him again. So we have to prepare for the future. And Naan is wise because he does that. Second thing is the badger. He says the rock badger in verse 26 is not a mighty person, but they make their houses in the rocks. Now your Bible may say a coney or a badger, or even one guy says they're Arabian mice, whatever those are, that freaks me out, all right? <laughs> The bottom line is whatever these animals are, they're, they're preyed on by leopards and snakes and wild dogs and, and owls and uh, eagles. They get picked on by everybody. Basically, they're just overweight gophers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like Timon. Y'all remember Timon from Lion King? It's a fat version of that, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, the other day I took my daughter and some friends down to see the wildlife refuge at Lawton, and there's a, a prairie dog farm there. And it cracks me up because the prairie dogs are all playing, and you get out and you look at them, they're all playing. But anytime, like, somebody pulls up with a dog or something, there's always, like, the narc prairie dog. It's like, burr, 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 burr. they start all chirping, and all the others are like, what's going on? And they all start heading for the holes. You know, and what that means in prairie dog, there's a big dog, run! All right? <laughs> but there's always these, you know, the ones, like even in, in Lion King, you know, that was their job, is to stand up and look around because the bad guys are coming, the hyenas or somebody, right? Well, these badgers, they're just fat people like that that can't get away with it, all right? They're fat versions of Timon. That's what I'm saying. But they're smart enough to understand that even though they're not very strong or very fast or anything like that, they make their house in the rock because they understand their weaknesses. And that's something that I think is good for you and me to understand. Do you understand what your weaknesses are? First, do you understand that you're not really that smart? You're not really that strong? Sometimes we think we can do this all on our own strength and our own ability. I'm just going to tell you, you can't. They understand that they're weak, but also they understand they're smart enough to make their home in the rocks. And there's going to be times in your life where you can't handle what you're going through. The situations that you find yourself in, Michael just talked about it a minute ago, tragedies, things that happen when the rains come and the winds blow and the storms, floods rise. What are you built on? You better be built on a rock. And these guys are wiser than wise because they know God is their help. They know God is their rock. When you're overwhelmed, what do you turn to? When everything comes crashing in, are you, are you going to find answers in a, in a glass of wine? In a pill bottle? In a soon-to-be-legal medical doobie? 
God bless Oklahoma. At your book club or on social media, what I'm saying is God just wants to be first in our lives. He wants to be the first person you would turn to, the first person you would run to, not only on your bad days, but on your good days. When, when you stop and think about when something good happens to you, who's the first person you want to call? Is it a family member? Is it, is it a friend? You know, who is it? Or it some, for some of us, it is social media, but God wants to be the first person you go to and thank him for what he did in your life. Or when a bad thing happens, he wants to be the first one you run to. And if and before you ever call a doctor or somebody else, God wants to be first in our lives. In fact, there's times other people can't be there, but he will always be there. And he wants to be the shoulder that you cry on and the one you rejoice with and the one you share with. And the Bible says in Psalm 61, too, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. In Psalm 18, too, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my Savior. My God is my rock. He's the one in whom I find protection. See, the badger is wise because he understands he's weak, but he knows where his protection comes from. The third one's the locust, all right? Now, in Oklahoma, we think of a locust, we think of rear, rear, rear in the summer, right? Those cicada thingies, whatever they are. I don't know if I said that right. You know, Antromiphius before, I don't know what his name is. Anyway, um, but that's what we think of. But this is talking about grasshoppers, all right? Verse 27, the locusts have no king, yet they go out in ranks. And they're wise. They're wise because of their partnership. All right. See, they're missing leadership. They don't have a king or a boss or somebody like that. And a single locust really isn't that big of a deal, you know, unless you're on a motorcycle. Okay. You know, my, I told you my wife and I, a few years ago, we got a motorcycle and she likes riding more than I do. And it's something fun we do together. And it's a way that's helped us reconnect. And one day we were going up north of Guthrie to a little town called Mulhall. And my wife starts screaming and shaking. The bike's going like this. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? She's doing a disco on the back of the motorcycle. And I start realizing it's hot. It's summer. We're in shorts, which is not real smart riding a motorcycle. But um, we're going down the road and these big old honking, the big yellow grasshoppers, you know what I'm talking about, they see in the summer. They're on the road because it's warm and they're jumping up when the bike comes and they're hitting us on the legs. And so we've got like bud guts all down our shins and everything like that. You know, you haven't lived till you've had a big grasshopper hit your hand and the juice starts flowing up your arms. Like, you guess just like, <laughs> keep going, right? <laughs> anyway, um, but she's freaking out because these grasshoppers are hitting her. I don't, you know, I, I, if any, any bike riders in the house, any motorcycle riders, come on. You ever, it amazes me, you can have a helmet here and sunglasses here and you still get bugs that hit you right there. You got a big hickey right between your eyes. It's awesome. But you know, you, one grasshopper is not a big deal, but you get a bunch of them together and they say like a group of grasshoppers can like eat 20,000 tons of vegetation a day. It's nuts. All right. Because there's strength in numbers and when they get together, they can cause all kinds of problems. Just ask Pharaoh, you know, because they ransacked the land of Egypt as one of the plagues. But the fact is there is strength in numbers and, and a locusts understand that power of community and they understand that in a group they can do more than they could ever do individually. And that's why they're wiser than wise, because they work together. They instinctively know they need community. They don't have a leader telling them to do that. It's just something that instinctively comes to them. And you know, that we, we figured that out. Guys, look at me. You can't do this on your own. We can't. The first time the Bible saw something that said was not good was when God said it's not good for man to be alone. So he made Eve a companion for him. And all the men said, it's a good chance, guys. Then what do they get in? All the men said, yeah, yeah, thankful for our, our, our wives. But it, we can't do this in our own strength. 
Life's too hard. There's too many weird things and too many word curves and corners that come, and God never intended for us to work alone. And we can accomplish so much more together. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, two are better than one. They have good return for their labor, and if one falls down, another can pick him up. But he says, man, woe is the man who falls and there's not a companion, not somebody there to pick him up. In our modern world, we call this synergy. Synergy says that the, each individual part together can do more than they can do alone. If you're a math guy, synergy would say one plus one plus one equals four because three individuals can't accomplish nearly as much as a team of three people working together and doing things. And the Bible even says that. The Bible says five of you in Leviticus 26, eight, five of you could chase a hundred. That means everyone's doing 20 people. But it says a hundred of you would chase, in those terms it would be 2,000, but it says a hundred would chase 10,000. Why? Because there's synergy in working together. You and I can accomplish so much more together than we can all by ourselves. That's why today there are churches in Africa and your pastor's preaching in one of them because together you guys made that happen. You couldn't have done that by yourself, but together you can make it happen. Together, all of us working together can make a difference in this world. We can make a bigger impact than we'll ever make by ourselves. What the locust can't do alone, it can do in a community with others, and that's why we need community. The whole Bible teaches us that we need community. We teaches us that we all can have a personal faith, but you can't have an individual faith. Because God has this life wired where it only works with other people. Discipleship, I've learned, is always in relationship or is in proportion to the relationships. Those of you in this church that have the most relationships probably are a lot deeper in your discipleship because all of us working together, we grow together and we learn together and we help each other. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another one and we need each other. That's why in the Tower of Babel, that story starts with God saying, listen, these people are all working together and there's nothing that will be impossible to them because they were in unity. Even though they were evil, they were in unity and he said nothing will be impossible. So what did God do? He divided them. He divided them by changing their languages around. It's interesting that in Acts chapter 2 when God started the church and they were all together in one accord, that doesn't mean a Honda, Okay. They were all together in unity. Then guess what happened? Then the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell. In fact, you go through the book of Acts sometime, do a study. Every time you see the word unity or the word about being together, one another, you always see a miracle in the verse before to the verse after it. Because when we work in unity, God does something special. And that's why we need each other. We need each other together. And so, so God did that. And you, you read, you know, we're, we're sitting here today because the Apostle Paul took the gospel to the world. But when you read about Paul at the end of every letter, he thanks a whole bunch of people. In Romans 16, there's this huge list of people that helped him. As you read through the New Testament, we read about guys like Epaphroditus and Onesimus and Silas and Timothy and, and John and Barnabas. Why? Because it was a team that made a difference in the world and they work together. That's what missions is all about. Some give, some go, some pray, but we all work together and we accomplish more together. We need each other. Other Christians need you and you need other Christians. You know, sometimes when there's an event at church, you may think, oh, I don't want to go to that. I don't really need that. that. won't be any good for me. But can I tell you, there's 
a single mom that might show up at that event that she wants to ask you some questions and sit by you. There might be a young dad that really wants to, he's hoping he gets to sit at a table with you and drink coffee and pick your brain. You need people and people need you. That's why we all work together. The young couples in this church need some older examples of faithfulness and what commitment really means. Some of you young people or older people need some of these young people to come rake the, yard, the leaves out of your yard. So you better be nice to them, all right? You've got to be nice to your kids anyway because they're going to pick where you live, you know, at the end. You know, not good like that. It's kind of scary. That's why I don't work out, man. If you work out, it's going to just let me live five more years in a nursing home, and I don't want to do that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, when it gives the list of the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the, or, you know, the spiritual gifts, the nine gifts, of, it says this, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us for the common good, or another way of saying that is to help each other out. God puts spiritual gifts in the church because we all need each other. And that's why the locust is wiser than wise. And then the final one, the last one's a lizard, all right? And lizards are kind of fun. The lizard is wiser than wise, it says in verse 28, because you can catch him with your hand, but they're still in king's palaces. So you would think, you know, hey, if they're that easy to catch, they'd get them out of the palace. They wouldn't want them around there, but they like being there because it's got really good food. <laughs> so, but, but seriously, you stop and think about lizards, and, and lizards are wiser than wise because their priorities are straight. You know, priorities, what are you talking about? Well, because stop, something. First of all, there's just a gazillion ki kinds of lizards. I didn't know this, but in preparing for this, I started looking around. You know, there's over 6,000 6, species of lizards that's just messed up. There's lizards with four legs, two legs, and no legs. <laughs> All right? I don't think they're a snake, but that's what they are. All right? There's lizards with frills, lizards with horns, lizards with wings. There's lizards that, can, that are, are all different colors. There's lizards that can change colors. <laughs> Chameleons, that's what they are. The largest lizard in the world is a Komodo dragon. They can grow up to 10 feet long. And the smallest lizard is a little dwarf gecko that's only like a half inch long and does commercials for Geico. All right? I mean... <laughs> There's a basculus lizard that can run on top of the water at five feet per second. Lizards are found all over the world, in every region of the world, in deserts, in forests, in, in, in mountaintops, and, and, and even, even in jungles. In fact, when I was a kid, one of my favorite lizards was a horny toad, right? A horny toad. The horny toads, they were in, in all over. I haven't seen a horny toad in 100 years, man. Like I used to go down and visit my cousins in San Antonio and we would stand out in the alley and you could just see them moving and we'd catch them. We caught 10 or 12 of them. I had one in a Pontiac Bonneville on a vacation one time and we lost it and I still don't know where it's at. <laughs> it's just, that car kind of smelled weird after a while. I don't know what's going on. But, but lizards, you know, you stop and think about a lizard. What's a lizard's defense? Is it fast? Does it change color and blend in? Is it, is it small? You know, when I think of a lizard, you know what I always think of? If you catch the sucker, he'll just take off and you'll have the tail in your hand and he's gone. His tail falls off, right? And you got this little tail wiggling at you and he'll grow a new one. He don't care. Because a lizard's easy to catch, but, but they also know how to get away. They know how to get free. And so when I think about that passage and I read that, even though you can catch them with their hands, they're still in king's palaces, I think it's because they know how to get free. Because they're wiser than wise because they have their priorities straight. So you and I are prone to getting caught. We are. If we had a, something out there in the lobby and we put a sign up that said wet paint, it'd be fun to watch how many of you would touch it when you went by because you don't believe it. So you just want to make sure, right? When your kids are little... And they're in the back seat. 
You can be talking about anything on earth to them that's important, and they're not listening to you because they got their headphones on playing on their, you know, Game Boy or their phone or whatever, right? I've had some awesome conversations with my kids and then realized 30 minutes later they didn't hear a word I said. They had headphones on. You know what I'm talking about from the front seat? But you and your wife can start talking about something serious, and the next thing you know, the kids are like, hey, oh, oh, what? what are you talking about? What are you talking about, right? And you know what I'm talking about? You can watch a whole movie that's the great, most wholesome movie in the world, and there's one cuss word, and the kid's like, hey, hey, what's that word mean? <laughs> Did you not hear the rest of the movie? We're just broken inside. We, we, we always are going to find that. My kids, we'd go to Walmart, and I would say, run through the store, because then I knew they wouldn't. They'd do the opposite, and they'd walk and sit next to the cart, right? I mean, kids always are like that, because we're prone to getting caught, but it's not what we do to get caught that matters. It's what we're willing to do to get free. It's what are you willing to lose, and the, the lizard's willing to lose its tail to get free. In Matthew 18, Jesus said, if you're hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off because it'd be better to go through life crooked than to go to hell with both your hands and both your feet. If your eye causes you to stumble because you can't quit looking at porn, pull it out. Pluck your eye out because it'd be better for you to go through life with one eye than to go to hell with both of them. I just want to ask you this morning, are you willing to let go in order to grow? What is it that you're holding on to that you need to let go of to take the next step in your walk with God? You gotta get your priorities straight. We have to realize that the most important thing in this life is that we make it to the palace. God has a a place called heaven for us and there's gonna be so many people that miss out on it because they hung on to stupid things on this earth that they wouldn't let go of and he's saying, let go and so you can grow. Maybe some of you, you could make a difference in so many people's lives if you just let go of some stuff. Or maybe there's some stuff you need to pick up. But the point is, taking that next step of faith towards God, the goal is the palace. And you got to be willing to do whatever you got to do to cut your losses to get closer to God. Paul said in Philippians 3.8, this one thing I do, everything else is worthless compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. I count everything else, it's like garbage compared to having a relationship with God. God. And so that's what this is about, is about you and I making it to the palace. See, I'm going to tell you, the beginning of being smart, the beginning of wisdom is when you get God in his proper place in your life. And when you get God in his proper place in your life, I'm going to tell you, you're going to start preparing for the future. You're going to find your protection is in him, and you'll realize that you're not strong enough, smart enough, good-looking enough, rich enough, that you need help. You're going to realize that you need partners in this life and that you can accomplish a whole lot more with other people in your life helping you. Chuck and I were talking about this morning, when you have a baby dedication or you will do a baptism here in a few weeks, everybody up here with a kid, everybody in that tank is saying, I want all of you to help me. I want to be part of you. I'm part of this body, and, and as parents, I, I, I was so glad when my kids were in church and I had other parents reaffirming the things that I taught them, other parents that's, that loved God and worshiped with all their heart and brought their Bibles, and my kids could see that, that it just wasn't me. It was something we were all a part of. We all need each other, and then finally, like the lizard, our priorities are straight, and we're running after the Lord. That's how you get wiser than wise. Father, I, I pray that you would just speak to us today. God, through your word that challenges us. I know we shotgunned a lot of things out here, but Father, there's some in this room today that, that 
their part in the preparation process is a relationship with you. Maybe they're not where they need to be with you. Maybe they're hanging on to a whole bunch of things in their life that they need to let go of. But the bottom line is today they're not where they need to be with Jesus. And I just ask you to speak to us right now, God, and challenge us and help us to realize the goal is the palace. And that, Lord, if we're going to follow you, we want to make a commitment to follow you and walk with you. And, and, and that's the beginning of wisdom is putting you in your proper place where you belong in our life, that you're God and we're not. But I pray for those that are here today that, that need to learn. They're, they're going through struggles and hurts and pain in their life. And Lord, they need a rock today that's higher than they are. Something that will lift them up out of the storm and the floodwaters that they're in. God, I pray that they would find that you are their strength today. You're their protection. For those today that are finding themselves in difficult times, they need a friend. Lord, today you said in your word, you're a friend that's closer than the brother. You are, and we can partner together, that it's all of us together, raising our kids, working on our marriages. None of us are perfect. None of us got it all together. We need each other. And I pray for those today that, that have been coming here and it's time to get plugged into a small group, time to make some friends, time to have somebody that we go through this life with. I ask you to work in us today, Jesus. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here this morning, maybe you just be honest enough to say, Robbie, I'm not where I need to be with God. I need to prepare. Like you said, when it comes time to die, I need to make sure all I got to do is die. And this morning, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. If that's you. Would you just slip a hand up and say, that's me. Pray for me. Pray with me this morning that I can know him. I can walk with him. Anybody that say, that's me. Just slip a hand up. I want to pray with you. You know him as your savior. You can walk out of here, your life different and changed. How many of this morning would just be honest and I say, Robbie, one of these things has spoken to me. Maybe today your priorities are out of line. Maybe this morning you're just going through a struggle and you need a rock, some protection that's higher than you are. Maybe God's asking you to take that next step in your walk with him and you got to let go of some things, your priorities, lining them up. If that's you this morning, just look up at me and say, that's me. Agree with me. Let's pray together. Man, let's stand across this room. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down front. Everybody, would you stand, please? Prayer team, come down to the front. In just a minute, we're going to begin to sing a song. And as we do, if you want prayer, we're down here to pray with you. Maybe you didn't, whether you responded or not, maybe just today you're going through something, you want somebody to agree with you. Maybe you got a friend that needs prayer. You want to bring them before the Lord. Chan's going to sing this, and as he does, we'll pray. And then when we're done, we'll be dismissed. But would you come as we pray? As he plays and sings this song, let us pray for you this morning if you want prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. If you're at your seat and you're cool with everything, just bow your head and sing along with us or pray with us. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.